a lot of us have been brainwashed by the Richard Bransons of the world, right? Jump out, build your parachute on the way down, say, say yes to everything and then work out how to do it. The problem is a lot of smaller businesses take that out of context. They're saying yes to average opportunities. So even when you spend the time and resources, it was an average opportunity anyway. When the Bransons of the world are talking about just say yes and then work it out, they're talking about those game-changing opportunities that put you into the different stratosphere. Most smaller businesses screw this up because they'll say yes to everything, but even when you execute it well, it's too much time, energy and effort for something that doesn't have enough of a game-changing impact. Hello friends, I feel like we're back even though that when you listen to this could be 10 years into the future, but we're we're back at the start of 2021 with a excitement and enthusiasm. Hello Alana. Hello Tim. Hello Nigel. G'day Tim. It's I great like to be your back. new t-shirt. Sorry to speak over you at the start, but we've got to get back into sync with these podcasts, <laughs> don't we? It's good to have a rest sometimes, I think, because I feel rested and a lot of topics pop into your head when you're you're thinking about what you want to talk about. And one particularly over this summer break here down under would be when your business feels lukewarm in a lot of areas. And we were talking about this, Lana, while we were having an extended break, but not really extended, a couple of days there that we decided not to turn on our laptops, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to. But we were talking about when your business gets to a growth point and you're looking around and everything sort of is working, but not really. And working at particularly some of our earlier ones, because we're quite ambitious in terms of what we want to grow when we have a company, you have to be really careful, don't you, around what am I saying yes to and what am I saying no to and understanding the importance of saying yes to no's. That sounds so cryptic. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly to paraphrase, make simple. When you've got so much going on. Did you just explain to me what paraphrase yeah, is? I did, actually. Thank you. That's a great start. Back in the studio. Yeah. Um, you've got so much going on that you have, you've said yes to far too much. The excitement of growth is at the start of a business or an idea, you feel growth really quickly because you're coming from nothing. Yeah, particularly self-funded people mm. who are just saying yes to might be any sort of revenue, any sort of opportunity, every single meeting. It's just Come at me. Just yeah. let, me, let me get some activity happening first. And you feel great off the back of that because you feel movement and momentum. And then yep. as you start to get bigger, you can't say yes to as much because you have to start to make decisions of where your business will actually go. But what that does is it makes you feel like you're not moving as fast. So then you start to say yes to everything. And that's where, in my opinion, you begin that lukewarm feeling because there's not enough to go around. Yeah. And For all of you out there listening where you might be going through a stage in your business where you've felt like you've plateaued or you're into the second or third year of it, can even be a funded startup. It doesn't really matter. I mean, the equivalent when you've got some money to start this up, it would be you're interesting to the media, you're a new story, everything's, you know, people are interested in talking to you and then they're not because, okay, something new and exciting is there. If you're a self-funded startup in a more traditional business where you're growing it, the equivalent to that is family and friends are always talking about you. Oh, here's Tim. He's just started a new business. Everyone's excited for you talking about it. But when you get into the actual establishment of the business and you've started to operate for a few years, you quickly realize that you never have enough resources, ever. It doesn't matter how good you are. 
you will never have enough resources. Now, a lot of you out there that are going to straight away going, no, that's not true. This tech company, this tech company, they've got billions of dollars in cash. Not true. They still strategically have that money set or they'd be buying everything. Because the first example would be, well, why don't, if you've got so much money, buy Google. It's always not enough resources for what you could do because the entrepreneurial spirit is we can do all this stuff. Now, what we want to talk about today is at what stage do you start working out how to say yes to what? And when you move from saying no to things without killing the innovation in your company. And this is so important because this is that art form rather than a science of what can I or should I be doing in my business at this point in time without diluting the opportunity for a few things to be great. And we've done this over and over again because for those of you who, who've met us and know us and thank you for connecting over socials, by the way, we like to go for it. So where I would consider ambitious in terms of when we have an idea or we think something's going to work, we'll go full on. But you quickly run out of time, energy and money if you don't make those decisions better. And as we've sort of grown, Lana, we've become better at when we say yes, what does it really mean? And it's saying yes to something that might not make sense to other people. And this is where you're quite strong is I'll say a basic business builder will know what to do. They'll know the steps and they'll know how to come along. The entrepreneur of this all that we're talking about is saying yes to the right thing. It's saying yes with that vision in mind and knowing that you can get more resources or you can get more time to make that happen. It's when you're too entrepreneurial in too many areas at the same time that this problem that you're talking about really does come up. Yeah. I mean, a lot of us have been brainwashed by the Richard Bransons of the world, right? Jump out build your parachute on the way down, say yes to everything and then work out how to do it. And of course, that's correct. I mean, who are we to argue with seasoned professionals, the world's greatest entrepreneurs that we've ever seen? The problem is a lot of smaller businesses take that out of context. They're saying yes to average opportunities and then trying to work it out. So even when you spend the time and resources, it was an average opportunity anyway. When the Bransons of the world are talking about just say yes and then work it out, they're talking about those game-changing opportunities that put you into the different stratosphere, that if you pull that off, you're in a completely different world with your business and the opportunities there. Most smaller businesses screw this up because, as we said earlier, they'll say yes to everything, but even when you execute it well, it's not that good. Your business hasn't changed. It's too much time, energy, and effort for something that doesn't have enough of a game-changing impact. This is where only experience can tell you that you might think, if I pull this off, I just have to hire three more people or I just have to get a bigger office. Just hiring three more people, you really underestimate what that actually does in terms of the energy and effort that comes with it. If you're a brand and you want to get onto an e-commerce store, just say, and you have to just offer bigger volumes, It's understanding what that just actually means and how much energy, effort, time goes into that little just. And I know you've had quite a few experiences with that just. Yeah, just just because you can doesn't mean you should, which a lot of you would have heard that before. And it's actually not a bad rule to um, apply to your general life as well. You can basically do anything. I think we all have a disposition that we're very positive, which is if you're a website designer, you could start an e-commerce platform. Now, that sounds easy, right? Oh why would I do this for clients? They're such a pain in the ass. 
what I'll do is I'll just run a few clients and open a store myself. And then you realize that store's about logistics. You've got to learn about procurement. You've got to learn about supply chain management. You've got to learn about returns. You've got to learn around advertising and budgeting and all this stuff that you might not have had to do. But it looks like a really easy opportunity, right? Which is, but I do web stores already for clients. I'll just do my own. And I don't want to say don't do these things because that might be the right progression for your business, but you have to understand really what decisions mean. And as you said, Lana, it might just be, oh, we'll just get a few more people to open another store down the suburb across because we've got a a retail store or something. We just want to open one across the suburb. It has so many problems that you've never thought of. It's not simple to just replicate. You're now running two businesses. There's different logistics. Every single mechanism changes in a slight way, but it's not you shouldn't do it. It's you should better understand the decision you're making. Mm, We had a client who just opened up a store on north side when he was on south side and the just was a big one suddenly he had to hire a whole bunch of new people and with hiring a whole bunch of new people there were time off that they needed there were rosters that they needed there were wages that they needed just opened another store had to get his product from the warehouse to a different side of town and it it seems really small that anyone can do it but it's this underestimation that makes it feel lukewarm it's the was it the right idea Maybe it was, but he said yes to it without the, from what we understand, without that knowledge of it's a big difference to open one store than it is to open two. And, and this is the, the challenge in this, site, this sort of, I guess, thinking is we're entrepreneurially minded. All of us listening to this, we probably have a positive disposition of, oh, I can get that done. I can do this. I'm, I understand. You know, I've, I've got this far in my business. It's the, knack, it's the next step. It's not about quelling your entrepreneurial spirit or not innovating because that's essential not just for survival but to get you to where you want to go. It's about understanding that as you become bigger, the ramifications of the wrong decisions or under-resourced decisions are very different. We like to think when we're making bigger decisions around strategy and with cards on the table, we still get caught up in saying yes to everything. We've got huge amounts of projects going and for most people they would go nuts because it's just too much but you have to think about when i say yes to this how strong is my next move so if we say yes to this what is the sledgehammer that kicks off that project for us that's a yes to us it means it's been green lit the same way a feature film would be green lit now how do we execute rapidly and with intent to make sure that decision is given the best chance to be successful. Where most people say yes, and it becomes a line item in the agenda for the next meeting. And it's how you want to operate a performance business because as smaller businesses and SMEs, you can't waste resources at all. Elena, I mean, particularly for us, In reflection to a few of our businesses, what do you think was the key to the better decisions versus the ones that we said yes to, but they sort of petered out? From my point of view, it comes back to the responsibility. When you make a decision, who's actually responsible for the execution and the good decisions that turned out well or the wrong decisions that turned out well, we had people like you and I at the helm of them that we took responsibility and said, this is going to happen or this is not going to happen by us. The ones that 
were good decisions that didn't work out or were bad decisions. They were headed by people who didn't follow through. They were headed by people who found an excuse for it not to work or found a reason for the yes to not work out. Yeah. And to be fair, sometimes they were set up for failure because they were under-resourced from us too, particularly when we were learning this. You need to have someone who's responsible for whatever you're doing. At the end of the day, the buck needs to stop with someone so you can better understand what they need. Now, if it's just you in your business, sometimes that's very difficult because what you'll do is go, oh, it's all right, I can just do it at night once my kids go to sleep or my wife won't mind if I take the next few months instead of watching TV, but that's a cost because it's a cost of sanity, might be the cost of your marriage, It might be your loss of focus is the biggest cost there because you're actually thinking about this when you should be working through some of the fundamentals of your core business to get it to another level. So there's a hell of a lot of complexity in that. But any time that we made a decision and didn't actually allocate someone to that, they never work. It can't work because there is people, as much as they say love responsibility, they do shy away from it. They might not mean to, but they do. And it's this accountability at the end that scares people. So if you don't have someone saying, I am responsible for this, it won't work out. It just can't. And I remember when we were previously selling one of our businesses, my responsibility was to get it sold. So that meant that all the documentation, all the diligence that went into it, all the meetings that went into it, I had to take. So that was my responsibility. But you did nearly go mad in the interim because nearly. you were also, oh. well, <laughs> yeah, well, you've, you've come back from the brink, that's for sure. But, <laughs> but it was just to give us a context for an example. Because you, were, you still had a heavy operational role at the time, it's a huge project to get a business ready for sale what, by the time, especially when you're learning it for the first time. So you're running your job, which is still full time, plus you're doing this massive project. The focus on the core business can easily just slip, particularly if you're heading into a sale. That's not ideal. That's a problem because people are going to come and go, but why have you had this dip for a quarter? Because um, I was working on the sales documents. It doesn't work, right? But that's a very good point because who I am in the business, it couldn't go lukewarm. The sale was tied up in the business being strong. And so there really was no decision. You couldn't drop down. And this is where a lot of people do get caught up in a big, pretty, beautiful idea. What is that idea backing into? What is the point of it? And you can't let what the point of it is actually down. If it's adding into your business, your business has to stay strong. And that's a really good criteria for whether we should do that is about understanding the resources required, not just financially. So for you, yes, and of course, you're a top performer in that. And also, our life revolves around business. So we're happy to work at nights at the moment for however many months it would take to get a project up. But there's a real cost to that, which is you don't have a social life potentially. You don't have a downtime to do things. You can't sustain that for long periods of time. You will go mad. And you have to understand what your tolerance to that is because your core business can't suffer if you're in a position where that's funding the whole thing. You don't want your business to be a house of cards where the opportunity ruins everything that was happening because your core business might be really great. It just needs some time to marinate to get to the volumes that are going to make you really happy. Most people jump off too early by trying to hit something out of the park but kill their core at the start, which is or core in the middle of that. I mean, it's just devastating because sometimes you can't recover from that. And this is that art form around understanding your true resources and ability to execute well without destroying or risking everything during that period. And a bit of a jump off point from that is knowing why you're actually doing it. 
So there are a lot of pretty entrepreneurial ideas to say yes to. But if you don't have, and we've spoken about this so many times, if you don't have that goal to come back to, you're going to lose your way. You're going to get overexcited by one idea at the cost of the business. Now, selling the business, that was a goal in itself. So that could keep me going late at night, early in the mornings. Keeping the business going strong was fundamentally linked to selling. So A plus B had to equal C. When you're looking at all these options and ideas and things to say yes to, if it's not adding up, you have to be strong enough as a leader and as a person to say, that's the wrong idea for me. I couldn't agree more with that because you have to have that alignment or idea of why you should invest in it. I think particularly when you hang out with smaller business owners and in smaller business professional networks, you meet the I own a few businesses person all the time. And in smaller networks, people are like, oh, they're so successful. They own three or four businesses. And I look at them and go, yeah, it's because you can't get one of them to do enough revenue. Such so a red flag. It's such a red flag for someone who loses focus, doesn't understand opportunity and thinks they're entrepreneurial, but actually can't make any of them work. As opposed to someone who really owns three or four businesses, three of them are self-managed because they've got resources in and people doing it. And one of them's where their focus needs to be because they might be the only one during that business's entrepreneurial journey that they need to stay focused. And this is when you start to realize the great business builders. It is the people when you dig under the surface of how they're structured, how they execute, how they make decisions, you realize they know exactly what they're doing. They could open 20 businesses because it wouldn't, if one failed, it wouldn't pull the whole group down. But smaller business owners see that and try and use that as an example of, oh, I just need to open more businesses and something will work and everything doesn't work. It's like a sales strategy as well. Same and thing. what you learn with that as you get through it, and my personal experience here has been, it's not hard to get opportunities. It's not hard to get something to say yes to. It's not hard to get an idea. You can have a lot of people who come in with the big, bright, I'm doing this, but every six months, every three months, there's a new I'm doing this. Yeah. And they're the ones to, I would say, watch out for because it is the actual ability to perform, as you would say, or to get that outcome. That's what you want to look for. That's the people you want to align yourself to is the idea is easy. It's yeah. how do you make it happen? It's that old FOMO of fear of missing out. And then you realize the opportunity of a lifetime will pretty much comes along weekly. So don't worry about running out of opportunities. You're going to run out of resources before opportunities. There's always something to get involved in. And even if you completely tap out your business from the size you want, the way you want to run it, you've got a million different ideas to use the revenue and profits generate for that business to build your financial wealth and financial freedom and all those things. So this is an endless pool. But if you can develop that discipline around it, and as I said, not at the cost of entrepreneurism, not at the cost of innovation, not at the cost of positively trying something, because we've said on the podcast earlier, we like to cap our wages, Alana and I, as a group. Our family businesses, we take dividends from them. They sit there and we take what would be inverted commas, a wage or a, or a dividend, and we cap that. Everything else, we're prepared to roll the dice on. So that's when we talk about being a little bit risky. It's because we don't see that as our money. We see that as the business's money to take chances, try things and do things. And we know exactly what that is. So each time we do that, we're not feeling like we've lost that money. It's just part of the business, that business investing in itself. When you're smaller, you might not have that opportunity to think like that. So you've got to look at your time and energy as that finite resource.
And we were talking about this line the other day in the car, which was the UFC, because we, we quite like the UFC in terms of, well, Lana's shaking her head. I like it and it's oh, on We town. love it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about it's a really interesting story because it's obviously quite a um, public-facing story of a business success. And for those of you who follow it or you can just Google it, that when they bought the UFC, the guys that run it, they bought it for $2 million, right? And it was sold, I think, to um, ESPN or it's valued at 6 or $7 billion now. And people go, oh, you know, amazing, $2 million to turn into 6 or $7 billion. But people who are just seeing it from the surface, that looks like a wonderful story. When you read the story, in the four or five years straight after it, they're in the hole for $40 million in further investment. So they bought the company for $2 million. They put another 40 to $50 mil in and weren't making any money. And so you've got to understand, that's why, why I bring that up is it's the same in all our businesses. You have to understand what the actual investment is around the decision so you can make a good yes, not a lukewarm yes. Most people dilute their decisions in their business so nothing ever gets a great opportunity or they do so much and little bits of so much that even when something starts to go really well, the impact of that win is diluted by all the things that didn't go well because there were too many. So, oh, we made an extra hundred grand here. But unfortunately, we spent 95000 on all these other little things. And it's not about not doing the other things. It's understanding why did we not have the mechanism when something was hitting to then re-put the resources, change our decision-making or focus on the thing that is giving us immediate impact. And with something like the UFC, that would be what I would deem to be a bad idea that you should say yes to. And what I mean by that is, on paper, if you don't know much, to buy something that you have to put $40 million into is a bad idea. But those guys had a plan. They had the strategy. They had the goal. They know what they were coming for. So listening to an outside force, you'd say, absolutely not. That's where their entrepreneurial came in that said, no, I know what we're doing. We are going to have to put $40 yeah. million, but this is the outcome. And, and that's when you become a more sophisticated business builder. Because those guys weren't silly. They're very, very successful in their own right. And the guys that backed it are ultra successful prior to the UFC. Their family, they're a couple of generations in. They knew the investment wasn't the purchase. They knew the, it was the investment of the purchase as part of the investment. They, they planned for it to be, you know, they didn't plan $40 million. They have said that publicly that at some stage they were expecting it to be a, a cash, um, you know, it, it was going to suck a lot of cash. but. They kept going with it. That's really the genius of that story for those who want to have a read about it. It's well worth a read because it is very inspiring around the ability to keep going, knowing that we know this thing's going to get where we need to go, but this is way over our expected return. And this is where SMEs make the wrong decision because we always think we're going to get there, but we may not be able to get there with our current resources. And for anyone listening saying, oh, but they, they already had this. They came for family. They came for money. Go and read the story and listen to it and ask yourself, would you have kept going? And that's really what this all comes down to. It's really easy to say yes. It's a little bit harder to say no. But once you make that decision, are you going to kill yourself to achieve that outcome? Now, let's take it away from $2 million and $40 million and $2 billion. Let's say it was $5,000. For some people, that's a lot. For some people, that's nothing. Find that number for you that's a little bit uncomfortable and ask yourself, would you keep working? when you had to put more of it in. And that's why this sort of stuff is so inspiring. Yeah, think about your dream car and think about losing that every year for five years in a row, <laughs> that, that total amount in real cash. Yeah. Is that your dream car? 
no, it's not five thousand dollars for my dream car. <laughs> even even though when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I would have killed for a five thousand exactly. dollar car, not something that broke down every mm. second. Yeah, <laughs> but this is something that it always I always hear, and it always kind of irks me. Is oh, but that's because they were they they made that decision. They might have got there because of connections, or they might have learnt because of money, but they kept going, and they were the ones who put their necks on the line, who said yes, we're going to do this, and then who didn't give up. So if you're looking at your business and thinking, oh, it's a bit lukewarm or you know, I think whoever could do this better, great. Where's your skin in the game? Where's your drive? And I think that's, that's a really nice loop around from what we were talking about earlier. The reason you keep going when you're 40 million in is because you understand the business plan and model and the potential upside. So if they're 40 million in and don't think they're going to get worldwide TV rights or they don't get distribution in so many other countries because they knew there was a mechanism to get that money back. They just hadn't hit it yet. Most SMEs, if you break down the small problem they're having or something they're continuing to, to invest in, even when they win, they don't recoup that money. It's just, oh yeah, that's working now, but we dropped hundreds of thousands of dollars getting there. It might, and just think about it, might not be a new product or service, even though that's a real one that we see a lot. might be a position that's not working in the company. It might be a lease on a big building you went to early. It might be you know, a range of other things. It might be your salary. You're actually not earning enough at the moment or you're taking too much out of your business to actually justify your role, whatever it is. But I want to make sure you're not taking this as a negative. This is about adding the next layer of sophistication to how you evaluate decisions. Just have a look now. And if I said, you had to cut five things out of your life that don't serve you because they're just a drain on resources. No, not you, Lana. You're number one. Um, But think about energy resources. What are the meetings that are sucking the energy out of you? Do we need to keep them going or change? Is it um, something you're investing in like a gym membership that you're actually never going to go? It just makes you feel better to own one. Whatever it is, there'll be something around you that doesn't work for you that's actually draining energy, time, or money. Evaluate it. And if it is a business decision, great, change it. But it's that mindset of looking at what is the stop loss on a bad decision because we're all going to make them, by the way. We have to. That's the entrepreneurial game. We have to do things that don't work. That's where we learn. But you have to look at them and go, is it still the right decision if it's not reaping the rewards? or the potential that we wanted. And that's the key thing. Sometimes things just take longer, but you can see the matrix that when this hits, it's going to be worth it. But where people waste a lot of their time, energy and life is being continual optimists in something that is absolutely not going to work because they read all these stories about entrepreneurs that finally after 10 years, it worked. Yeah, but they evaluated and changed their strategy ongoing. They do the same thing over and over again. You have to adjust if you've made a decision that's not going in the way that you think it should. So for those of you who are evaluating and thinking and listening to this and saying, well, what do I do next? As we said, just have a look. Just have a look at some of the things this week. Just go through your diary and think about what you've done this week and put a tick next to the things that have given you energy or on track and a cross next to things that are taking energy, taking resources and not really giving you the return. Have a look at five of them that you can make an adjustment now with this caveat. Sometimes the things that aren't fun but are sucking money are still the right decision, but you've just got to make sure that it's going to lead to or the potential to lead to an outcome that justifies the investment right now. 
make strong decisions. When you make a decision, hit it hard and make sure you don't under-resource all the good things happening in your business so you give the great things an opportunity to shine. Lana, Nigel, excellent to be back. Let's do it all again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.